Well, uh, we could go home right now because Pastor's intro before we did praise and worship kind of, uh, yeah, just alluded to all the things the Lord had put in my heart. I want you to know the Lord had given me this message back in April, and then the last time that I ministered, um, he went a different direction Sunday morning, and that's always cool when you've planned and you have it in your heart, and then he changes it, and you better trust the Lord. That's all I have to say. Um, anyway, um, God is good, and it's the same Holy Ghost that leads and guides us. And so from the words, <laughs> the words that were sung this morning to what Pastor had to say, the Holy Ghost orchestrates these things. Why does he do that? Because he loves us, and he, he wants to know his arms are open wide for us. We're going to look at Ezekiel, the 37th chapter, and I'm sure to any of you who've been in the church for any amount of time, this is a familiar pastor, pastor passage, familiar pastor, um, a familiar passage to you about dry bones. And I'm just going to, I think they have it up here, the scripture. Um, I'm just going to read this from the Amplified Bible. Uh, why don't we just do it this way? That we don't have to put glasses on. The hand of the Lord was upon me, and he brought me out in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the midst of the valley, and it was full of bones. So a little backstory is that the children of Israel, through disobedience and worshiping false gods and things like that, they were dispersed, and the Babylonians took them captive. And so, but God raised a man, a prophet, Ezekiel. And so by the Spirit, he took him out into this place where he saw this valley of dry bones. You can go to the next one. And he caused me to pass round about among them, and behold, there were very many human bones in the open valley or plain. And behold, they were very dry. Do you ever feel like there's dry places in your life? Go ahead. And he said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, O Lord, you know. Again he said to me, now I want you to get this part, prophesy to these bones and say to them, O you dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, Behold, I will cause breath and spirit to enter you, and you shall live. And I will, will lay sinews upon you and bring, you, bring up upon, flesh upon you and cover you with skin, and I will put breath and spirit in you, and you, dry bones, shall live, and you shall know and understand and realize that I am the Lord, the sovereign ruler, who calls forth loyalty and obedient service. So I prophesied as I was commanded, and as I prophesied, there was a thundering noise, and behold, a shaking and a trembling and a rattling, and the bones came together, bone to its bone. And I looked, and behold, there were sinews upon the bones, and flesh came upon them, and skin covered over, but there was no breath or spirit in them. 
Then said he to me, prophesy to the breath and to the spirit, son of man, and say to the breath and spirit, thus says the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath and spirit, and breath came upon these slain, and they, that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath and the spirit came into the bones, and they lived and stood up upon their feet, and exceedingly great host. We're going to stop right there, and we'll just go back to that in a minute. You know, God desires for us to live the fullness that he has for our lives, but a lot of times, like the children of Israel, maybe there's some disobedience or things that the Lord has prompted us to do, and we haven't done it yet, and we go over into these dry areas in our lives, and his desire is that we be free, that every area of our life be free. It must have been an amazing thing for Ezekiel to look at these dry bones. Just imagine with me. It doesn't say, um, you know, that this was a literal thing because he was led by the Spirit. So I imagine that it was a vision that he had. But in this valley, these bones were laying all over the place. And they could represent areas in our lives, like Pastor was talking about, dreams and things that God has put in our heart. And maybe we've let go of them for some reason or another. And they're just laying there, you know, useless to us. And he had to, he had to listen to the word of God, to the voice of God, to, to look out beyond what he saw and cause these things to, go, to come together. Um, how many of you watch the, what is it, The Walking Dead, Deader Than a Doornail, How Dead is Dead? These are shows, no, only The Walking Dead. Or <laughs> you know, um, that was just for my husband's sake there. There's times, and we can call them dry bones in our life, that we feel maybe dried up, brittle. We feel lifeless. Um, we may have walked closely with the Lord at one time. We may have even been used by him in different areas. But there comes a time where we feel, you know, just like we're disassociated from him or reconnecting is difficult. And the last song they sang, that verse there, um, you knew where to find me, you know. You knew where I left me. A lot of times there are times in our life where because of situations and circumstances, we feel as if, you know, we're all alone, that God has left us, that we're, again, disconnected. There's this part of us that, you know, um, you just can't explain it. But there is one thing I know, when you disconnect from God and the things that he has for your life, you disconnect from light. You disconnect from life. He's the life giver. And so you begin to walk out in this place where it becomes easier and easier to, to stay away, to, you know, things have happened perhaps that, you know, in my own life, going through divorce, I know I went through a period of time where I disconnected from God. 
I disconnected from the plan and purpose that he had for my life. I ran the other way instead of running to him because of hurts and things in my life. And the further you go, the easier it is to stay away. But once you've been born of God and you've been born of the Spirit, there's something that's constantly wooing you and drawing you back to him because he loves you. He loved the children of Israel. That wasn't his desire for them to go into captivity. It was their disobedience and the things. They didn't really want to have much to do with him. But in his compassion and love, he had a plan for them to bring them back. And if you'll notice, how did he do it? He did it through the voice of a man, a human being. He caused this man to uh, speak forth a prophetic word that would change the direction and the course of the nation of Israel. And he wants to do the same thing in our lives. Now, I have 10 pages of notes here, so we'll see how we get <laughs> through them. A lot of times the challenges we face seem like dry, dead bones laying all over the place. There seems to be no um, rhyme or reason to our life. But the Spirit of God wants to touch these dry areas. He wants to lead us to the life giver, who's Jesus. He wants to lead us back. He wants to bring us back to this fresh anointing, this new life in him. And it doesn't matter, I can tell you for, uh, by experience, it does not matter how far you've gone or what you think you've done or that you're unworthy. You know, my mom and dad were married for over 60 years and loved each other, and I never really saw them argue. I'm sure they had disagreements and things, but I always wanted to be like them in my marriage. So getting divorced felt like, first of all, I let God down. Second of all, my parents, myself, my family. But it doesn't matter in God's eyes what or, you know, how bad you think you are. He's saying, come to me because I love you and I have a plan for you. And I, I sent my son to die on the cross for you. And he took that shame and that guilt. He doesn't want me to bear it. He said, I bear it for you, so you don't have to. You know, in uh, Proverbs 18, 21, this is probably very familiar to all of us as well. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and they who indulge in it shall eat the fruit of it for death or life. The Passion Bible says it this way, your words are so powerful that they will kill or give life and the talkative person will reap the consequences. Our words have power. Our words can change our circumstances around. Our words can bring us up out of a, a dark pit that we think that we're in, that the, we think there's no hope. We can take God's word and put it in our mouth and begin to see circumstances change, begin to see things turn around. And that's my story. As I... I ran back to him. I remember the day. I remember the church. I remember where I was. I ran to the front, and I knelt down, and I didn't care what people thought about me. Sometimes we need to repent and 
turn and run to the Lord before he can swoop us up in his arms and hold us close. Sorry about that. You know, in Proverbs, if you read in Proverbs, the third chapter, we see how vital the word is to us. And I'm just going to look at that real quick. I didn't give this to them, so unless uh, Matt's real fast. Um, let's look at Proverbs 3 real quick. It says, and this is what the Lord is offering to us. Proverbs 3, 1 and 2, it says, My son, you could put your name in there, forget not my law or teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments. Here's the promise that comes with that. For length of days and years of life worth living and tranquility, inward and outward, and continuing through old age, till death, these shall they add to you. That's what the word of God does for you when you stay connected to life. Over in uh, chapter 4, again, another wonderful promise, starting in verse uh, 20, and this is the amplified version. Uh, my son, attend to my words, consent and submit to my sayings. Let them not depart from your sight. Keep them in the center of your heart. For they are life to those that find them and healing and health to all their flesh. When you and I take what God is, has given to us, his word, and we make that be the final authority in our life, we make that be the place that we run to when we're dealing with situations and circumstances, we put that word on the inside of us and it begins to rise up in us in a situation that we might need his help, it's life to us. We cannot live and sustain our lives on just once a week coming to church or, you know, maybe once a month or something like that. We need to be connected under the sound teaching of the gospel. And, and I believe with all my heart that this is a place that teaches the word the truth of God's word from cover to cover. We're not clipping out parts that don't suit us or we feel are, you know, passed away. We want to present the truth to you so that you can walk in it. So we need to take the word and to speak it out of our mouth, to allow that to work in circumstances in our lives. Do you know that Satan has no creative power? He has no creative power whatsoever, but God gave us creative power with our mouth. And Satan comes for your words to get you to agree with him so he can use your very own words against you. And we need to recognize that. Don't let your mouth just run off and say whatever it wants to in the midst of a, a pressing circumstance. There's words that my husband will say, I got two words for you, shutting, upping. So just when he's messing around, <laughs> he doesn't say that all the time. No. <laughs> you know, through a, a person's negative, doubt-filled, faithless words, it will bind you. And that's what the enemy wants to do. He wants to bind you with your own words. He wants to use them 
to keep you from fulfilling the purpose and plan that God has for your life. You might say, well, I'm, I'm a Christian, but are you a victorious Christian? Are you an overcoming Christian? Are you a free Christian? I know we all got areas that the Lord's working in our life, but he's made a way for us to walk in freedom. And it's not hard. It's right here, right here below our nose. If we'll begin to take up the word of God and to use it as a weapon, the word is a weapon against the enemy and it's full of power and life and light. It'll change your circumstances. Brother Kay, would you just turn that one thing away from me or off, whichever? Um, God places high priority on words. He's never done anything that he hasn't first said it. You can see in Genesis 1, now I counted this morning and it's amplified, so it's amplified. Um, I counted 11 times where God said something and it was. He said and it was. So through the voice of the prophets over hundreds of years, he said the Messiah is coming, the Redeemer is coming. He said it hundreds and hundreds of years before through the mouth of the prophets, people that weren't even born again. The Spirit of God would come upon them. They'd make declarations that God said, and it was, and Jesus was. We are created in his image to do the very same thing. We're created. We have a legal right to use the word of God against the enemy. And I tell you what, if you don't know how to use your weapon in these days, you better watch out because the enemy's going to try to take you out, take you down any way that he can. And we have to know the power of the blood. We have to know the power in the name of Jesus. We have to know the authority and power that comes through the word of God for you and I to walk in victory. We don't have to give in to the chaos that's going on in, in the world around us. We're to rise above it. And the only way that we do it is through kingdom purposes and kingdom direction, walking in step with the Holy Spirit because he knows what's in front of you. He's already been there. He's been in your future. He's been in your past, and he'll be everywhere in between if you let him. But we can be nominal Christians. Oh, yeah, I'm a Christian. I go to church every once in a while. I got my ticket to heaven. Or do you want to be a powerful Christian? Do you want to be used by God in these last days to make a difference for the kingdom of God? So we see that the word of God in our mouth is very powerful. And how do we do that? How do we, how do we allow the word to flow through us? We get it in our heart. We keep it before our eyes, going in our ears. We meditate on it. We, we mull it over. We speak it out. And then all of a sudden, like a river, it comes up out of these wells that are on the inside of you. And then you can use with force, power, and authority his word to speak over somebody's life, to speak to somebody who has cancer or is on their deathbed, to speak finances and things into your life. Proverbs 4.24 of that same uh, chapter, it says... Uh, 
Put away from you false and dishonest speech and willful and contrary talk. Put far from you. You know, we can't talk like the world. We can't say the little cliches. We can't uh, allow doubt and unbelief to come against us and then join up with that and then expect God to do something for us. Oh, God, come through for me now. I really need you. Oh, God, my magic lantern, please come through for me. But I've used my mouth to say contrary things that don't align with the word of God. I've used my mouth to speak death over my family. Oh, I'll never get that job. Oh, those kids will never turn out right. What are we saying with this thing that God said, if you speak prophetically my word, you will be able to change your circumstances. And this is a word that he gave me back in April. It's time to speak to your mountains, your debt, your sickness, your circumstances, and release my power into them. It's time to step forward into the prophetic calling and find your voice. The gift of simple prophecy is for every child of mine. The office of the prophet is for those I choose. Have I not said you shall declare and decree a thing and it shall be established unto you? My people are not experiencing victory in their lives, nor are they overcoming as I have said they would because they are not speaking to the areas in their lives that need to be changed. Open my word and speak. Say what I say, for my words have force and power. Again, these prophets were not even born of God. How much more should a born-again, spirit-filled, Holy Ghost, tongue-talking individual be able to speak to circumstances in their life and see them change? How, how dare we not use what God has given us? How dare we leave the victory and the, the weapons and things that he has given us to be victorious and then we complain that it didn't work out, must not be God. Where is God? He's saying, come on, put your big pants on like we've heard. Do what the word says to do. We have to be doers of the word if we're going to see the victory that the Lord Jesus has for us. Dry bones might represent hopes, dreams. Again, we didn't converse about this things that have fallen by the wayside, lack, sickness, ministry callings, addictions, any area in our life that we feel we have not gained the victory over. Maybe it's a dry relationship with the Lord. Maybe it's gifts and talents you're not using for God. How many of you, you don't have to raise your hand, but how many of you would say that there are areas that are dry in your life? You know, we're all at different stages. We're all growing at different stages. And God expects us to grow, though. He doesn't expect us to stay, stay at Emmy's age. He expects us at 50, 60, whatever years, to have gained some knowledge of his word and to be able to operate and function in the way that he created us to and the authority that he has given to us. But he's not upset with dry areas in our life. 
He just says, come to me. I'll water you. That living water lives on the inside of you. Just tap into that. Tap into those wells of living water. Let them bubble up from the inside of you. It might be a little dry at first. You know what I'm saying? Sometimes when you first turn the hose on, it takes a little bit for it to get through all the way to where you want it to be. It'll take a little bit of time, but keep at it. Don't give up. Keep pushing and pressing in. I believe, and the title of my message is, It's Time. And I believe it's time where we deal with these dry areas of our lives. Have you ever had the experience where God's prompting you to do something, you just know it keeps coming up, just keeps coming up at the weirdest time, it just keeps coming up? That's the prompting of the Holy Ghost. But maybe we don't want to right now. Maybe we're enjoying what we're doing. We don't want to, and we keep pushing. We keep pushing it to the back. We keep pushing it to the back. I believe the Spirit of the Lord is saying today it's time. It's time to deal with these areas in our lives that are hindering the plan and purpose that he has for us. He can bless us, but only so far. It requires obedience. We see that the children of Israel went into captivity because of their disobedience. People are bound by things because of disobedience. But he's a good God, and he loves us. And if we keep pressing into him and keep turning our heart towards him, the songs were so good today about that. He loves us so much. When I ran to him, he didn't reject me. He didn't turn away from me like the woman caught in adultery. He didn't, he didn't, you know, say, sorry, I can't use you. I stand before you today because he said, I love you. I forgive you. I have a plan for you. Yeah, there were some bumps in the road. Yeah, you made some stupid decisions. But I love you, and my blood is enough for that path. That's not who I am. He's made me to be a victorious minister of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, as you are, each and every one of you. You know, um, when the Holy Spirit convicts us and we push these things away, there's, there's definitely a term for that. The real term is disobedience, but it's procrastination as well. Procrastination is a thief. It'll rob you from going forward in the plan and purpose of God, and it's a tool that the enemy uses to keep you and hinder you from fulfilling the plan that he has for you, to keep you and uh, hinder you from walking in victory. Satan hates each and every one of us, and he'll do everything he possibly can to keep you from walking in your destiny. The true reason that he hates you is because he hates God and everything that has to do with God. But procrastination keeps us from walking in the fullness of God. Um, I have a definition of that word. Kind of a eye-opener there. Not important right at the moment. Um, one person I heard quoted said, tomorrow is the only day that appeals to a lazy man. 
what I believe and what I say is don't put off till tomorrow what the Spirit of God is telling you to do today. We cannot resist the Spirit of God and his wooing and his prompting us to do things and then we decide we don't want to do it and then still expect that you're going to walk in victory and overcome. The book of Ezekiel gives us the story of a nation who was dispossessed and disobedient and how this is the same way that the enemy works in our lives. He draws us away into things that, you know, maybe in our heart we know we shouldn't be doing. He draws us away from, oh, yeah, I'm serving God. I love him, but I just want this part of my life for me. And it's, it's that whole mentality that you can have one foot in the church and one foot in the world. Those days are over. Those days are over. God wants us to walk in the fullness that he has for us. When we allow things to creep in, it becomes easier and easier to walk away. Here's the word. Uh, pro procrastination means the act of putting off or delaying or deferring an action to a later time. To put off intentionally or habitually. Do we intentionally or out of habit silence the spirit of God when he is prompting us? That is a dangerous place to be. He loves us. He's constantly speaking. But are we listening? Or if we do hear, are we choosing on purpose to push him to the side? Procrastination, again, is a trap of the enemy. And you and I do not have time to waste. We were talking about this last Sunday. You know, we only have one life to live. How are we going to live it for the king? How are we going to live it in these last days? Are we going to be doing our own thing, or are we going to be serving the kingdom? Laziness and procrastination will be one of the biggest regret regrets. I'm a wabbit. <laughs> Wesley wabbit. Regrets that we will have in our lives. How many times in hospitals do patients or in their deathbed at home, they have regrets of things they did not do. We don't want to ever have regrets that we did not fulfill the plan and purpose God has for our life. Psalms 20:12 in the Passion says, help us to remember that our lives are numbered Help us to interpret our lives correctly. How are you going to interpret your life correctly? You're going to have to interpret it with the word of God. You're going to have to view your uh, destiny through the lens of God's word and his plan for you. Part of the process of walking in freedom and victory is to acknowledge and be real with yourself. I've never been through AA. Perhaps there are people that have or some kind of drug rehabilitation, what is the first step to getting help? It's to acknowledge that you need help, right? We have to acknowledge these areas in our life. God asked Ezekiel what he saw. He said, I see a lot of dry bones scattered all over the place. And then God asked him something, you know, probably took him aback a little bit. Can these bones live? 
can the dry areas of your life live? I feel like the Spirit of God is asking us, do you think I'm bigger than these things? Do you think I can get you through to the other side of what you're going through? I believe he knows exactly what we need when we need it, and he gets us lined up in that place so that we can receive from him. If you notice, God didn't tell Ezekiel, now that you've seen the problem, I'm going to speak to those dry bones for you and command them to live. No, he told Ezekiel, you prophesy to these dead bones. God said, you tell them what I say, and they will obey you. God wants to partner with you and I in our life walk down here on earth. We partner with him through his word. He wants us to hear what he has to say and then us say it. Hear what he has to say, us say it. But there's another part of that. you got to be a doer. You can't just hear. You can't just say. He's not changed his way of doing things. He's still saying to us, say what I say and things will change. Those dry bones in your lives will live again. Dreams that you let go of will come back again. Destinies, desires, the things that he's prepared for us will have life again. They'll come back again. But again, we only have this life to do those things. And as Pastor said, some of us are closer to the end of that time that God has given us on earth. What are we going to do with the time that we have left? Are we going to serve self? Are we going to continue to push off what God is telling us to do? The things we know in our heart. Sorry. Things we know in our heart. Um, are we going to push these things away and not do what he tells us to do? Look at the progression here. As Ezekiel spoke what God said to say, the bones began to come together. The Bible doesn't say, you know, how this happened or whatever, but the power spoken through Ezekiel's words brought these bodies together, bone to bone, and the right ones. Could you imagine getting somebody else's bone in the wrong place or whatever as they're all coming together? But that's how great our God is. He brought them bone to bone. Such power was released when Ezekiel spoke that there was a thundering, a rattling, a noise that came from this display of God's mighty power. As they came together, the muscles and the skin and the sinew and everything came upon these dead bones. But there was no breath in them. This is the way that dry bone areas are. As we take the word of God and we speak it, things begin to rattle, shake, and roll in the spirit realm. We might not always see the evidence of what we're speaking right away. Things have to begin to align themselves in the spirit world with what we're believing God for. And frankly, a lot of times things don't happen as quickly because we're out of alignment. We can't just live the way we want to and not really give heed to the word like we read in Proverbs, attend, give heed to my word. We can't really just do our own thing and then expect when we ask God to do something that it happens 
right away. A lot of times we have to get our heart in a place where we can receive. We have to build our faith. What does Romans 10, 17 say? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. There's only one way that faith comes. And maybe we haven't been building faith into our spirit man. Maybe we've been building a lot of other stuff in there. What you watch, what you hear, where you go, what you do, the people you hang around. We're building all that into our spirit, but then we want instant manifestation when we expect, uh, you know, God to do what he should do for us. That's not the way it operates. A lot of times we have to get it ourselves and our minds renewed and our heart renewed before God is able to do what he wants to do. If a hose is clogged, right, the water doesn't flow through it. You got to get the clog out. You got to get it cleaned up so the water can flow freely. But I promise you one thing. If you'll continue to pursue God, you just keep seeking his word, keep doing what he tells you to do, that things will turn around. You know, the Bible is filled with promises that cover our case, maybe not down to the detail of where you should move or who you should marry, but there are so many promises in the word of God that he wants us to use. He wants to bring deliverance, restoration. He wants to bring joy, peace. You can take the promises of God and you can speak those things over your life and you will see things change. You might be thinking, well, you know, Pastor Joan, I speak the word and nothing happens. Well, you know, I wish I had the answer why those things don't come to pass so quickly. But you've got to keep on. You have to keep pressing in. You can't let go and you can't let the experiences of other people rob you of what the Lord has for your life. We all experience heartache. We all have... Uh, situations in our life that we wish that we could explain why they happen. You can't let those things keep you from following hard after God and going after him with all of your heart. You have to have fresh manna every day. You have to go to God's word every day and get something that will nourish your spirit man. You have to expect and believe that the bread of life, who is Jesus, that he is going to sustain you. He's going to give you what you need to make it through and to be victorious. You know, you know my brother John's testimony. He's living proof of pursuing the promises of God for healing in his body. Seven months of standing, perhaps more, for healing. You know, there were times he wanted to quit, especially when they came and told him that, he better get his house in order that he was going to die. He kept pursuing. He kept going after the promises. He wouldn't let go. Even when the many trips to the hospital, bleeding and all sorts of things taking place that would be alarming, especially as a nurse who knows what all that means. But he kept holding on and he wouldn't let go and he kept speaking life in the face of death, literal death. And God was faithful. But maybe you say, I have loved ones that were doing the same thing and they passed. I can't give you an answer. I wish I could. 
The only thing I know is maybe they got a glimpse of what's on the other side, and it was so much better, and they just decided to go. This coffee shop is a result of me seeking and doing and obeying the Lord, and he brought it into fruition, and it keeps increasing, and the more and more, um, you know, things that he has through this. Romans 8, 11 says, The Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. Say that. Jesus lives in me. Who is he to you? I've heard my husband say this and other preachers. Is, is he just a hitchhiker? Or is he a reality in your life? Is this real to you? I cannot live my life with the living word of God. With this person said, Joan, I knew all the mistakes you would make, but I count you worthy, and I have made my home in you. I want you to walk in victory and overcoming power. And I've made it easy because I put it in the manual. I said it before you. The word says in the Old Testament that he, he sets before us death and life. We have to choose which way we're going to go, who we're going to serve. The rest of this verse says, And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies by the same spirit living within you. He gave life to those dead bones. He wants to give life to the dead bone areas in our lives. You know, it's going to require us to keep speaking, to keep believing, to keep commanding that the promises of God that belong to us will come to pass, and they will. God wants to release his power through our word. Mark eleven twenty three, another familiar scripture in the Amplified, it says, Truly I tell you, whoever says to this mountain, what's your mountain today? What's your dry bone? Whoever says, be lifted up and thrown into the sea and does not doubt at all in his heart, but believes that those things that he says will take place, it will be done for them. Say and do. There's an action required. When you know it's God's will and you have his promises on it, he's going to give you an action that will go along with that promise. Sometimes it's, Sowing seed, you know, financial seed. You're believing for something, and he prompts you to sow seed into somebody else's life. Sometimes it's praying for a sick person or asking in your church, where, can, where do you need help? What can I do to get plugged in? There's always an action. Um, I have this on my phone here, verse, or James. Let's see if we can get it real quick. Uh, James chapter 2, verse 18, it's, or we'll start in 17. So too faith, if it does not have works to back it up, is by itself dead, inoperative, and ineffective. But someone may say, you claim to have faith, and I have good works. Show me your alleged faith without works, if you can, 
and I will show you my faith by my works, that is, by what I do. You know, it, again, this is a process. You're getting the word on the inside of you. You're asking God to give you foundational scriptures to stand on, whatever your situation is, and you're building that in your heart. You're building that in your spirit. And then as he shows you to do something, you take that step of faith. You take that step of faith and, and go for it. When the Lord, as I prayed this out from 2017, praying out the plan of God where this coffee shop was, writing, making notes, asking the Holy Ghost. And as I took that step of faith, every single time I would come up against something, and I took the step of faith to believe him, even though I'm like, I have no clue. He came through. And it, it's like this wonderful adventure with the Lord that you can trust him. You can believe in him more than you can believe your own thoughts and your own things that you think it should be this way. Well, don't put him in a box. Don't limit him to he did it this way. He'll do it this way again. Go along for the ride with him. It's an amazing journey. Just come up to something that seems impossible to you. Luke 1, 37 says, there's not one thing impossible with God. Not one thing. Allow him to show you, what is my step of faith here? What is my action that goes along with this? Job 22, 28, I made reference to it earlier. You shall also decide and decree a thing, and it shall be established for you. And the light of God's favor, that is an amazing thing to walk under, the favor of God, shall shine upon your ways. With the word of God in your mouth, you can prophesy your own destiny. You can speak forth the things that God has for you in your future. Faith has a show, and without action to our faith, it's dead. It's time to start making decrees and declarations over your life. It's time to take the promises of God and speak to those dry bone areas of your life and watch God turn them around and use what you think, that's a, a destructive life. There's nothing I could do. God won't use me. I'll never preach the word. I'm divorced. Divorce. You know, God can't use you. I say bull honky to that. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I don't know if that's a word. <laughs> anyway, God has a plan and a purpose for each of your lives. And he wants to use you in such a way that you could never imagine. And he's made the way for us to live victorious over everything that this life throws at us. But you have to, first of all, Get close to him. Get back with him. Stir up that relationship and that passion for him. And then seek him with all your heart. That's all he's looking for, is for us to be genuine with him and to seek him with all of our hearts and to trust him with our future here on earth. The time is short. Time is running out. And we need to be in step with the Amen.
So make this decree with me if you agree with it. I personally decree and declare that I will fulfill all that God has destined for my life. In Jesus' name. You said it. He's going to hold you to it. <laughs> Why don't we pray? Father, we just praise you and thank you, and we love you so much. We thank you. Thank you for your word. Thank you, Father, for the spirit of God, that same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in us. How can we fail? How can we be defeated? Father, we just look to you right now in that mighty name for direction and purpose for each of our lives, that any dry areas we might have, that we bring them to the altar and we lay them there before you. We ask you to consume them with the fire of heaven. Lord, stir that passion once again in our hearts for you and to pursue you and your destiny for our lives with all of our heart. Father, we ask you for the anointing that breaks the yokes of bondage and removes those burdens off of us in the name of Jesus. I believe that each and every person here perhaps was prompted and pricked by the Holy Spirit of areas that you're pointing the finger at. You're saying it's time. It's time to give those things to me and to let go of them. Lord, I just praise you for the boldness to be able to do that, for the courage to do it, and for the want to. God can work with our want to. He's just asking that we be willing to let go and let God be God in our life. So I just thank you and praise you and believe for every person here. If there's anyone here today that would say that, you know, I, I hear what you're saying, but I have never asked this Jesus into my heart. I've been pricked by the Spirit of God, and, and I want to just receive him today. If there's anybody here where not going to judge you or criticize you we're not looking around only I'm going to look would you raise your hand if that's you that you you need to know that you know that if you were to step off into eternity today you would go to be with Jesus is there anybody here that would say that or maybe you're here today and you say you know Pastor Joan I've been doing my own thing and the Spirit of God is wooing me to come back home. Come back to Father's house. Like the prodigal son, your father is waiting to run to you. Is there anybody here who would say, that's me? We're not going to embarrass anyone. Hallelujah. Well, Father, we don't see any hands today. We're just believing you that each and every person will receive the word as it was meant to be, not in a but in a way that only you know how to present your love, Father, that love would woo and draw each and every one of us to a deeper, more intimate relationship with you. And we just give you the praise and glory for everything good now. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Hallelujah. Well, you all are dismissed. I thank you all.